All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E media.ie. Technology from an Irish perspective. This is the All Things Techie Podcast. Wow, wow, wow. Episode 17 of the All Things Techie Podcast with myself, Justin Dawson. Hello. We've got new music bits. We've got new imaging as well. Wow, we're really coming on with this program. If you'd like to get in contact with the All Things Techie Podcast, technology and audiovisual from an Irish perspective, you can visit our website www.allthingstech.ie That's www.allthingstech.ie You can tweet hashtag allthingstechie or you can uh, also tweet at Justin or Dawson. My colleague Simon Lang is not with me today. Where's Simon again? Lost, lost, lost. That's all I can say. Lost again. Um, which is going to be one of the topics in our programme. Lost. We have some great interviews coming up in the program on the All Teens Techie Podcast, episode 17, where we're going to be talking about Sarlock, which finds search and rescue um, app for if you're lost on the mountains. We're also going to be talking to the team at What Three Words, and even simpler like that, because I'm going to tell you a story here, listeners, before we start off. My sister uh, asked me to collect a scooter for my niece i hope my niece doesn't listen to this program if she does oops because it's actually a christmas present but shh. so i was supposed to collect this uh scooter and you know being thrifty and everything it's a second-hand scooter but you know so i was supposed to collect it i went into this housing state had google maps open and then got out of the car because google maps said the house was within 200 meters away so i said okay right i can walk that started walking and got completely and utterly disorientated in this housing estate listeners and usually like i'm a scout i'm usually good with directions and stuff like that and then i started asking some people and then not relying on google maps and then that sent me in another whirlwind and it was housing estate and top of housing estate in north county dublin by god did i get lost i couldn't find my car dude where's my car so uh my wife had to actually collect me so i'm going to be talking about different apps that you can have on your phone as well to stop you from getting lost that's one of the main topics on the all things techie podcast uh for this month episode 17 of the all things techie podcast where is simon uh i did say he's lost it's actually budget day in ireland and uh, he is so so up the walls with live events uh, for his company that he works with um so best wishes to simon he will be back on the next podcast we promise you that audio visual from an irish perspective this is the all things techie podcast now <laughs> i have to get used to these new imaging packages now this is going to be an audio podcast because, um, well, some of the parts of this program, our interviews with What Three Words, will be um, as videos on our YouTube channel. And you can find out the details on that at allthingstech.ie is the website. What have we been doing? Well, my goodness, there's been so much stuff going on in the past uh, month or so. I did a full showcase in the RDS um, in Dublin. And it really got me thinking that, like, wow, what a what a great showcase of some some of the technology. There was projection mapping, there was um, LED displays. And do you know what? I really have to say that I really noticed at the showcase that projections, projectors in meeting spaces are a thing of the past. And I, I love to hear listeners' comments on that. I really think small meeting spaces if you put a projector in there you're wasting your time laser i've seen in higher ed like laser projectors being put into the smallest meeting rooms and i'm saying why why are you spending so much money on a laser projector in such a small room and one thing's for definite i definitely believe that backlit projections are a thing of the past when you have meeting spaces that can or even 
big walls that you could just put LEDs all across it. It is the way things are going. Like LEDs are so thin, the prices are constantly coming down. The quality is getting bigger and better all the time. Why would you waste so much space behind a projection screen doing backlit projection? No, it's a thing of the past. That's my thought on that. I love to hear your comments on that. Um, but also seeing some really cool toys like the Igloo. Um, I'm, I'm way into my augmented reality, mixed reality and virtual reality. And I've spoken before on this program about virtual reality. I don't believe virtual reality is ever going to uh, tick off fully. And why do I say that, listeners? Well, you know what? I don't think people like wearing goggles on their face. And that's, like, maybe for gaming, fine. But for other avenues, you know, um, even even in the medical field and where I work and school nursing and stuff like that, people don't want to wear goggles. You know, it's a health and safety risk if you're using them with students. Have a mixed reality. The igloo is, is, is what I've seen, which is pretty much what they had. It was an inflatable igloo that they were projection mapping against the walls. And I thought, this is the way things are going forward you could have a hospital bed in the center of that room one minute you could be doing midwifery the next minute you could be doing cardiac etc you know there's so many like and literally with a touch of a button they were changing the videos it was fantastic uh, i must have the guys from igloo on the all things techie podcast at some stage it would be really worthwhile um talking about projectors and leds the sony cinema Sony had a 16K crystal cinema that is 783 inches of wow. It only cost you about $6 million. But a uh, small change, especially if anyone won the Euro Millions, it was one in England. 190 million won in England. And, and some people were saying, can England be part of the Euro Millions because of Brexit? That's another question. I don't know. I've got to make a new rule, listeners. I'm not going to mention Brexit every month on this podcast on the run-up to Brexit, which is supposed to happen at the end of October anyway. So I'd say we'll get another one, maybe two episodes of the All Things Techie podcast um, through before the end of October. But uh, I, <laughs> I promise I won't mention Brexit all the time. The 783-inch diagonal size, 63 feet long and 17 feet tall, 16K resolution, million to one contrast ratio, HDR, 1000 nits per pixel, price 5.8 million, just short of $6 million. These are the basic stats for one of the most amazing displays that's ever created, the Sony Crystal Cinema. Originally presented at the NAB trade show in April 2019, Sony has announced today that the Crystal LED technology is now available for consumers like you and me to install in their home theatres, if you had millions to burn in the bank that is, or you won the euro means. Previously the tech was only available for theatre and commercial customers like the 16K Crystal Cinema screen. Uh, Sony installed one of these at the new research lab of the Japanese cosmetics firm Shizido. And I shall stick some photos up, um, credit of Sony, um, on the All Things Techie podcast show notes uh, if you want to go onto the website. But the screen is just amazing. And yet again, I say that cinemas are not going to be using projection screens in the next 10 years. Guarantee that. Well, I can't really guarantee it, but that's my belief anyways. That's my crystal ball on it. Let us know what you think. Making sense of the world of technology from an Irish perspective. This is All Things Techie. Triple Play has acquired OneLand. This uh, this happened uh, during the month as well, listeners. By Triple Play and OneLand organization will be the world's largest IPTV digital signage and room booking solution provider. Triple Play is now being acquired by Uniguest following its acquisition of OneLand in June 2018. Are you following? Uh, no. <laughs> the acquisition presents the strategic opportunity for Uniguest to market Triple Play's award-winning IPTV and interactive portal to its own hospitality and senior living clients, which while extending its reach with a complementary partner base for products specifically in the stadium, large enterprise and banking verticals. 
A combined triple play and one LAN organization will be led by Steve Rickless, triple play CEO, with the support of the triple play and one LAN executive teams. Triple play and one LAN will continue to operate from a respective offices with their current team members. The acquisition came, is a game changer for triple play and will bring significant advantages to our valued customers and partners, Rickless said. Well, congratulations on that. I didn't see that one coming, but uh, big big uh, growth in the digital signage area and i'm going to be talking about other digital signage things um, in the next episode of all things techie podcast so do stay tuned for that technology from an irish perspective this is the all things techie podcast a claim that an astronaut assessed the personal bank account of her estranged spouse from the International Space Station, ISS, is being reported by NASA recently. Uh, this was during the summer. According to the... Like, it's, it's still going on, I believe. According to the New York Times, Anne McLean, a NASA astronaut, was on a six-month mission aboard the ISS. And she admitted to assessing her ex-partner Summer Worden's account from space, but has denied any wrongdoing. Miss Worden, who has been raising her son with Miss McLean before their split, became suspicious and asked her bank to check on the locations of computers that had recently assessed her bank account with her login details. One computer was registered to NASA, according to the New York Times. This is a bizarre case, and I I just love to know how they can access their bank details while floating around in space on the ISS. <laughs> AIB, Allied Irish Bank, has uh, added some security features to um, its mobile app. Now, when I try and even log in, it sends a message to my mobile phone and says, are you trying to log in to your uh, Banking 365? And I have to take yes or no. So do you mean, like, I'd love to know, like, for banking, I'm sure it's similar with banks in America. Surely someone has to tick a button to say, yes, I'm giving permission for, to go into the bank account. So she's floating around in space. Does she have a mobile phone? I, and even if there was any wrongdoing, we're not saying there is any wrongdoing here on this show, but if there was any wrongdoing, She's not in the country, if not not in the planet. See where I'm going with this? I don't know. Let us know what you think. Technology from an Irish perspective. This is the All Things Techie Podcast. Barge Area 51. Have you been following this? Oh my goodness, listeners. This was amazing. And I've seen um, an AV phenomenon that is Chuck Espinosa. Uh, social media posting on this i don't know did he actually go to area 51 but nothing would surprise me with chuck espinoza he 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 knows that i'd be that in jest youtuber sentenced to jail after attempting to film area 51 they said it they did not plan to participate in the planned raid of area 51 Two Dutch tourists have pleaded guilty to trespassing after they were arrested for attempting to capture footage of the US government site, Area 51. We're here for scientific reasons. Here for scientific reasons. We're here for uh, the aliens. Oh, you know, I want to hear about the alien liberal agenda. They could have some good talking points. My uncle told me that my mom got abducted and turned me into a uh, half-breed alien and uh, I was told that story my whole life so I've always been into aliens and hey if, if other people are doing it <laughs> I'll I'm, be peacefully I'm not at gonna, the campsite I'm not gonna be in the front and I'm not gonna be on the edge but I will be tucked in the middle of the back <laughs> on Monday the 16th of September Govert Sweep 21 and Ties Grainsier 20 so the only 21 and 20 were sentenced to a, a year in county jail following their 10th of September arrest in Nevada. They will only serve three days if they agree to pay fines of $2,280 each. According to the two men, they were arrested about three miles into the nearby Nevada National Security site. They can speak, write and read English and saw no trespassing signs but were curious about the heavily guarded location. 
The Nevada National Security Site, a government nuclear facility, is more than 10 miles from Area 51. At the time of their arrest, police found cameras, a phone, a laptop and a drone in their vehicle, according to the Nye Sher- County Sheriff's Office. But the pair told police officer officials that they had no intention of storming Area 51 as part of that planned Facebook event that saw millions of people or SVP and said they just wanted to see the site. And they didn't get the turnout that they were thinking of getting. Um, but we didn't. they said we didn't have any intention to storm it because we leave on the day before the actual storming date and we just wanted to go there. So we've told KN, KTNV. The two pleaded guilty to the misdemeanors, trespassing and illegal parking. In addition to jail time, they must also surrender their electronic equipment found at the time of their arrest, according to the Nye County District Attorney Chris Arabia. It is important to us that these men serve jail time and pay a substantial financial penalty. And <laughs> they, there was people dressed up around the Area 51. I don't think anyone got close enough to taking any photos. It was a social media thing that they really wanted to play on and no one knows what Area 51 actually does. There's always been suspicion on it for the past 50 plus years. But it, it would have been cool if they actually did storm Area 51, I think. But getting arrested for it, um, I think they should have held off on that. Audio visual from an Irish perspective. This is the All Things Techie Podcast. Do get in contact with the program. Uh, you can visit us at www.allthingstech.ie. You can tweet at Justin or Dawson, is my tweet handle. Uh, Simon Lang, not with us in this podcast, but he will be back um, next episode. Now, what is the most dangerous trends in technology that we should be aware of in 2020? Can we list the most dangerous areas? And here's here's a top five that was formed by Forbes. And if you want to add to any of these top five, please get in contact with the program www.allthingstech.ie or you can uh, tweet me at Justin or Dawson. You can visit my personal website if you want to, justinordawson.com. That um, is also up on the All Things Techie podcast. Um, and you can also use the hashtag all, th- hashtag all Things Techie. Now, some of the top five that Forbes have come out with is drone swarms. The British, Chinese and the United States Armed Forces are now testing how interconnected cooperative drones could be used in military operations. Inspired by a swarm of insects working together, drone swarms could revolutionise future conflicts, whether it be overwhelming enemy centres with their numbers to, or to effectively cover large areas for search and rescue missions. And you know what? I, With the other media that I do, internet radio for scouting uh called scouting radio <laughs> i have seen at the world jamboree how they put a load of drones in the sky and just made up the scout sign and i thought if they can do that yes i agree drone swarms yes that is definitely a potential danger and benefit in 2020 actually you know what it's already here i'm sure they like with the drone racing and everything and then don't forget we've done programs on getting a license for drones in the in previous episodes do go back on our previous episodes actually subscribe to the all things techie podcast first of all do subscribe but go back on some of our previous episodes and you were talking we're talking about drone licenses and even when we did that recording listeners a week later there was all these drone attacks at airports across the uk and ireland so you know that that is a potential danger and a benefit drone swarms buying smart home devices yes the internet of things that is definitely a danger and a benefit like it, you know what how i say benefit is internet of things brilliant i have the google home uh, doorbell and um and i love it but also if it's not if things aren't programmed and password protected correctly it is a potential risk you know like you buy a cheap camera and you connect it to your hub and you don't have the proper securities on it anyone can hack it yeah so 
definitely think of that. For smart home devices to respond to queries and as useful as possible, they need to be listening and tracking information about you on a regular basis. When you add the echo to your room as the radio and the alarm clock and any other smart device connected to the internet, you're allowed to a spy to enter your home. That is true. All the information on smart devices collected about your habits, such as viewing history on Netflix, where you live and what route you take uh, from home to work. So Google can tell you how to avoid traffic and what time you typically arrive home so your smart thermostat can make your family room temperature you prefer. Yes, potential benefits and dangers there. Facial recognition at number three on this list. There are some incredibly useful applications for facial recognition, but it can be easily used for sinister purposes. Uh, China stands accused of using facial recognition technology for surveillance and radical profiling. And you know what? I think more countries are going to go down that route. And okay, we have in Europe GDPR and stuff like that. But I think facial recognition for law enforcement is going to be also a benefit and a danger. And if it, if it falls into the wrong hands. Let us know what you think. There's, there's other ones called uh, AI, yeah, artificial intelligence. Yes, that's, you know, it, it's it's becoming like the movies have predicted. And uh, ransomware and hacking. Yes, that's going to constantly keep on going. What would you add to that list, listeners? Let us know. This is the All Things Techie podcast with myself, Justin Dawson. Does technology not agree with you? Send us your queries. Visit www.allthingstech.ie. Yes, if you have queries on technology that's just not agreeing with you, we're going to be doing a new segment to the All Things Techie podcast show. So if you have a technology query that just go, I can't solve this issue. Let us try and solve it for you um, or find someone that can solve the issue for you. And uh, you can send us in those queries to www.allthingstech.ie and click on the contact area there. You can private message me on Twitter if you want to. My um, username is Justin or Dawson or you can use the hashtag AllThingsTechie to get in contact with the program. All the details on our official website www.allthingstech.ie i.e. McDonald's buys a voice recognition software company. This what made the news earlier in the month and I just couldn't believe this. What what is McDonald's getting themselves into? This is really interesting. McDonald's is increasingly looking for tech acquisitions as a way to reinvent the fast food experience. Today it is announcing that it's buying Apprente spelled A-P-P-R-E-N-T-E, a startup building conversational agents that can automate voice-based ordering in multiple languages. If that sounds like a good fit for fast food drive through it's exactly what McDonald's leadership has in mind. In fact, the company has already been testing Apprentice technology in select locations, creating voice-activated drive throughs along with robot fryers that is said will offer faster, simpler, and more accurate order taking. I can just see in the future that um, you, you probably arrive home to your Internet of Things and your Google Home and or your Alexa and just go, Hey Alexa, I'm sorry, I've turned on a load of Alexas there. Or, hey Google, sorry, done that again. Um, but coming home and saying to your smart device, order me a Big Mac. And the nearest McDonald's probably delivers to you. And then you'll have your kids getting hungry, coming home. And going to the Samsung Internet of Things fridge and noticing there's no food in the fridge. They order food for the fridge like their milk and their pizzas and all that. But they don't want to cook. So they go to their Google Home or their Alexa and go, hey Alexa, sorry you've done it again. Or hey Google, yes I did that again. <laughs> and then someone like a delivery driver delivers it to them. And if, if that's not freaky enough. In the future, it could be even a drone delivering that fast food. Oh my God! I'm going to start building my tin hat. Technology from an Irish perspective. This is the All Things Techie Podcast. 
Now, people have been asking me, Justin, are you attending the Audiovisual Awards, the AV Awards in London this month? I am not, I'm afraid, listeners. Um, simply because baby number two is on the way and the savings is going on and I'm on my best behavior because I was earlier in the month I was at an Avixa workshop uh, Avixa training course for three days with the famous mad sound guy and we had some great fun there Um, and I was out late each night and then I went away gallivanting with uh, scout leaders for a whole weekend so I promised my wife I was on my best behavior from now until uh, the baby is due and later in the month actually next week I'm going to an Avixa workshop um, in Dublin and do you know what having had an Avixa course and it's one of the first if not second full courses that Chuck has done in in Dublin I actually believe that there's going to be a lot more demand for VIXA courses in 2020 in in Ireland and hopefully a load more people getting their CTS and thank you to all the people that have been sending me private messages and voting for me for the CTS steering committee really really appreciate that I'm on the ballot paper I'm not telling you which way to vote but I would really love your vote if you are a CTS holder and you want me to represent you on the CTS steering committee, that would be awesome. Now, let's get on to being lost and getting found. It's the All Things Techie podcast. Making sense of the world of technology from an Irish perspective. This is All Things Techie. Thanks, thanks for taking the call, Russ. Um, where are you based, Russ? Uh, I'm now based in the Lake District in the in, um, UK, obviously. Oh, I tell you, Russell, it must be nearly 10 years since I hiked around the Lake District. Beautiful area. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a lovely area. We, we moved up about three months ago from uh, the Midlands. To get a background on yourself, I'm, I'm guessing you've been involved in mountain rescue for a long time. Yeah, I joined um, a team in North Wales in 1993. I served with them for 20 years, two as chairman, and uh, many years as the IT person for the team. Um, I retired about... Four years ago, I think, so, um, due, to, due to moving out of the area. So you won't, you won't, we won't get heavily involved in in mountain rescue in the Lake District area. I might do. Now I've moved up here. Um, I'll probably get involved with some of the local teams. Yes, yeah. Give me a little background of how you came up with the the Sarlock idea. When I was with the team in North Wales, um, within mountain rescue, someone developed a method of locating team members using their radios. So each team member carries a radio, and in the handset of the radio is a GPS receiver. Mm-hmm. But every time the team member transmits or speaks to someone, it, tra- it transmits their location. So in the base op room, they can see where all the team members are. Okay. So I thought, I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could do the same thing for lost people? Because we were getting more and more calls, it's gone dark and we're lost, can you help us? We don't know where we are. Mm-hmm. So I thought around, the sort of, played around with some code for a bit and came up with Sarlock. Um, the thing I will say about Sarlock, it's not an app in the traditional sense. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be loaded onto the phone before the person goes on the hill. Mm-hmm. So it will work on most phones without needing to install anything. And that's the key thing, because I, I was actually looking for the Sarlock app, and I was going to ask you that question. Is it available on Apple? Is it available on Android? And it, the fact that you're using the, the normal simple gsm signal to get the information back it means that as you mentioned every phone is capable of of pulling back that signal but it works by using a feature of the web browser on the phone which is already installed obviously and there's a there's a way of asking the browser where the phone is um so i get the lost person to browse to a a special web page that web page interrogates the phone for its location and then sends the location back to the team. So it only works if they've got internet access. That's one thing. Okay, so you do need the internet access on, on, on the on the end of things. Did you when you set up this uh, idea, Ross, did you hit any restrictions, any security implications with well, any of, of the mobile phone companies? Nothing to nothing for the mobile phone companies in particular, but every phone because of um, a person's location is, is classed as personally, personal information. Mm-hmm. Um, so every time Sarlock asks the phone for its location, the phone itself pops up a box saying, is it okay for Sarlock to know your location? Okay. 
Now, if, they, if the users um, configured their phone to never give out its location, mm-hmm. obviously Firelock's not going to work. Of course, yeah, if you have that, if you have that uh, turned off. Is that any, is that, on a mountain rescue perspective, is there any way of overriding that system when you no. need it in the mountain? No, unfortunately not. Okay. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's a privacy thing built into the phone software itself, not to do with Firelock. If the, the user can say always share my location for all applications and all web, web pages, then it will work every time. Mm-hmm. But if they turn off that location reporting, then the phone just does not give me a location, so I so can't report where they are. How many years ago was it that you created this? Um, created Saradoc? I don't want to use the word app, but it created this magnificent tool that has rescued um, several people. I was working in London in uh, 2009, so that's when I created the first version, okay. 2009. The first live hit was in about 2011, and that was with a team in North Wales, my Maris team. Um, they were speaking to a lost party on the hill, and then the phone cut off, but they knew they were somewhere on Snowden. So they sent a Sarlock link out to the lost person, and seconds later they had a report back saying this is where they were. They radioed the helicopter that was in the area at the time, and when the helicopter flew to that location, they were hovering over the lost people. That's they didn't even go on the hill. That's it. Now, how how accurate can Sarlacc be? Um, and now, I, I must I must mention to you, Russ, like we're we're having a podcast all about the different apps that can uh, locate missing people, and the other one that we've come across is the What Three Words. App. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure yeah. you, I'm sure you heard of it, but it seems that the Irish Mountain Rescue have haven't really bought into the what three words yet, and are using Sarlock as well. So, how how close can can they pinpoint someone on a mountain? Well, normally it's within ten meters, fifty percent fifty percent of the time. Right. Uh, but to be to be fair to what three words, they would have the same accuracy. Mm-hmm. It's just what the phone will give you. If if the lost person was under trees or in a forest, the accuracy will be less because mm-hmm. they can't see the satellites for the GPS as well. Right. So it's not a, not a particular thing with Sarlock or what three words. It's, it's the phone software giving an accuracy. People know of Google Maps and stuff like that. You're not using that type of data information. You're using a, a, the phone repeating back to a tower, I guess, or a satellite to, to pinpoint where the person is? Well, the, um, if the phone has a GPS, an inbuilt GPS, which most phones do nowadays, mm-hmm. the, the special web page that I've written interrogates that GPS. Okay. So it's, it's not using the towers to do like triangulation, which is fairly inaccurate. It could be within two or three kilometres. Right, see, that, that's where I was going with this, how, how close could it be? So... Surely you needed a bit of funding to to promote it and to get it out there, or what? Did mountain rescue teams just decide, okay, we'll give this a go and we'll buy into it? Well, I, it's it's totally free for all emergency services. I don't charge for it. Mm-hmm. It's a free service to them. Um, I just spoke to the mountain rescue England and Wales teams and said, I've, I've got this idea, give it a try, and they all tried it and said, that's brilliant, and then it spilled over to the Irish teams and it's gone around the world now. You mentioned, of course, you had IT background. Where, where did you work? I, I know Mountain Rescue is all volunteering. So where did you work beforehand to come up with this knowledge of IT? Well, I worked um, for a big IT company um, based in London for 25 years. I retired last September, just a year ago. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> 25 years with them. Um, so that, that was for my my. I started with them as a, as a junior programmer and worked my way up over the, over the years to a senior security architect. Mm-hmm. So I've always had an interest in mapping in particular and programming and generally computers. So that sort of fired my interest in solo. Do you know on any uh, ratio of how many people that you've rescued using Sarlock or even on a global level? Um, well, looking at the UK, I know it's been used about four and a half thousand times on wow. incidents so it's, that's around the uk and ireland that's so that's over 10 years 
people will ask having location settings turned on on your phone people say well that that drains the battery very quickly um but i guess if if someone rings mountain rescue i guess mountain rescue can hopefully navigate the the person that's missing on the mountain to turn on their location settings uh, but yeah. apart from that if if you were saying to uh, people going out on the hills is there any apart from the map and compass which is the basics would you recommend anything else to to bring with them or how to keep keep them safe on the mountains with with regards to technology definitely it's important to know how to map read so a map and compass and knowing how to use it that's the, the basic thing Salik is only really there if they get into trouble mm-hmm. um, so map and compass don't rely on electrical gadgets like GPSs or phones to navigate by because they either get wet or they get cold and the battery die and then you've got no navigation tool. So always have a map and a compass, definitely, and know how to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, a whistle is obviously important. If you do get lost, you can call for help with a whistle. Um, but knowledge of, of how to navigate is probably the big, biggest thing. And I think also, if the weather gets bad, turn around yeah. Yeah, a lot then, of people carry on and carry on and carry on this is what I, I've i done a bit of mountain uh, safety uh, courses as well My, I, in fact I've done a mountain safety course in, in the Lake District as well many years ago uh, but that's that's the key thing people will will keep on walking thinking oh just another 10 minutes and I might find yeah. my way out of this but 10 minutes is a lot of time when you're walking aimlessly in in an area that you don't know if you've no idea which way you're going stop is there anything else that we missed out on on Sarlock or how people can find out more information where would they go um, I do have a Facebook site um, Sarlock Rescue if you look for Sarlock Rescue on Facebook um, I'll try and keep that updated with information um, there is a problem with the Sarlock version 1 as I call it which is the one we talked about in which if the lost person doesn't have internet access they can't download this my special web page, mm-hmm. therefore they can't find a location. Um, I've recently developed a Sarlock version two, which is a real app for Apple. Super. And that would that would give a give a grid reference anywhere in the world, without needing internet access, which is wow. the important thing. Wow, that is absolutely amazing, and so it works out where you are in the world. And if you're in the in England, Wales, or Scotland, it will give you an ordnance survey grid reference OSGB. If you're in Ireland, it will give you an Ordnance Survey Island reference. If you're anywhere else in the world, it gives you what's called a UTM reference. And, and that's, that works anywhere in the world. That's incredible. So this is, all, this is coming out on Apple. Are you hoping to bring it to Android soon? I'm work, it, it, it's been released on Apple. Um, I'm working on an Android version at the moment. That, that's super. It's amazing what you can do with, with in, in your retired time, Russ. As it, yes, you'll need lots of time to develop and innovate. <laughs> but as Russ said, always bring a map and compass with you out on the mountains. Again, Facebook page, you can look up Sarlock there. We'll put it up on our show notes on the All Teens Techie podcast as well. Russ, thank you so much for joining us. Now, like I said, listeners, earlier in the program, I got lost in a housing estate. So you don't need to be even lost on the mountains. Now, Patrick, from what three words? Am I right? People get lost very easily. People really struggle to talk about specific locations and it's not an issue that, you know, often crosses your mind on a daily basis. But um, when you think about the fact that um, every country in the world essentially has a different way of talking about location and a different kind of address system, um, actually it can be very challenging for people to to communicate location. Um, But yeah, that's the sort of ambition kind of what what drives the company if that makes sense so give me a little bit of history then how did the whole project come around sure um so the company was founded in 2013 um the ceo is a guy called chris sheldrick who used to work in the music industry um essentially organizing events um arranging the music for festivals for weddings that kind of thing Um, And obviously, one of the challenges that he faced was that most festivals um, and most weddings take place in quite obscure locations, um, often, you know, in the middle of a field, 
or in the countryside. Um, so he had a real challenge actually explaining to bands where to come in order to sound check um, or in order to set up for the gig. Um, so he got really frustrated with this. Um, unable to send regular street addresses, he resorted to sending latitude and longitude coordinates right. to these bands um, to, to sort of help them find the, the right spot. Um, he basically had a challenge there though as well in the sense, in the fact of uh, a lat long coordinate is 16 digits. Um, so there was one occasion where he was um, organizing a wedding an hour north of Rome in Italy, um, sent a lat long coordinate to the band in order to get them to turn up in the right place. Um, he got a call two hours after the band was supposed to arrive for the sound check to say, not sure we're really at the right location. Um, we're in a field, but I can't see any sign of a wedding. Um, it turned out that the band had got one of the digits in the 16-digit string wrong um, and had ended up an hour um, north of Rome, not an hour south of Rome. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of where the, the idea came from. He then teamed up with um, one of his friends who was a mathematician, um, to basically and realize the, the idea, um, realize that it would be possible just using dictionary words mm -hmm. to assign every three meter square on the entire planet a unique three word address. And that, that like, this is what, what really is outstanding. It's global. Mm. Um, so, and even, even just moving around um, on my map, I was, I was like, it is actually every three meters. It's, Absolutely. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, as you say, the entire surface area of the planet has been carved up into this grid of three meter by three meter squares. Um, and every single square has its own unique three word address. Um, yeah, whether you're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean or in London, wherever you are. And the nice thing about this is because it is every three meters, it, it works well with mountain rescue teams. You have a lot of the UK mountain rescue teams that are, have, have jumped on board and told people to download this? So at, actually at the moment, it's mainly the emergency services um, outside of mountain rescue who are making full use of the system. Um, so mainly that's the fire and rescue, police, ambulance and coast guard. Um, mountain rescue are obviously capable of using it. Um, they do tend to, to operate pretty well given that they're experts in map reading just using os grid references um, the main kind of use case is for a member of the public who may not be so well versed in a grid reference um, who can basically use this system to explain to the emergency services exactly where they are and i, I noticed on the app now am i correct in saying that you can ask, ask it through the camera to to hold it up into a location and it will actually navigate to what the three words of what you're looking at. Yeah, precisely. So this is something that was rolled out in the last um, app update um, where it's called OCR. And what it allows you to do is, as you say, scan a three word address. It will recognize that as a location. Um, and then you can plot that on the map and navigate to that precise point. That is really, really cool. Now, people will ask, well, what yeah. if you don't have internet connectivity. So, yeah, of course, it's one we're asked a lot. The app works totally offline. Um, so you do not need a data connection in order to find your three word address of your current location or to enter a three word address. Um, the only thing that wouldn't work is the map layer that sits behind the grid of three meter squares because that's, that runs off Google, Google's okay. API. Oh, right. So, very good. Because I, w I was going to ask you that. I said, that looks very Google-like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and Google are happy to be on board on this? Well, so it's what three words is not a mapping system um, and it's not a navigation tool. It's, it's fundamentally just an address. Okay. Um, so it's really map agnostic. You can use whatever map um, you want to. So if you go onto the, the map site, for example, you can switch to any other kind of map that you prefer, whether it's a map box, open street map, Google maps, um, whatever, whatever you like. That, that is really good. Now, 
I have to ask the, the mm -hmm. question of this, this app is free of charge to download. How, how does this company make money? How does Yes. So we make money as an organization by licensing the technology that sits behind our app to other companies and organizations who want to use what three words to improve their own products. Um, so essentially because what three words is just an address, it can be used by lots of different organizations or businesses in lots of different sectors. Um, one of the main areas that we focus on um, and one of the main industries that we work in is automotive. So working with big car brands on things like improving voice navigation in their cars. Um, we also work with logistics and e-commerce companies, um, essentially helping people get parcels delivered to the exact right location, um, helping those logistics company cut down in last mile delivery costs. Um, so essentially those companies use our technology to, you know, for example, sell more cars or to um, improve efficiencies in the last mile. Um, and we would charge them a certain amount for using that technology, much in the same way that um, Google might charge for their places API um, or similar to that. I must say, once I downloaded the app, it mm. asked me, like, what language do you want to use? So I'm guessing if you're over in Italy and you're Italian, it's going to give you Ital Italian words or is it all the English prefix? So... They're essentially, we, as, I was, as I mentioned at the start, we want this to become the global standard in the way people talk about location. Um, obviously, to be able to do that, people need to be able to use it in their own native tongue. So we started in English, um, covering the entire world with English words. Um, we're now, we've now made this available in 37 other languages. God, that's so, amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. And each, each word list, each... Um, version of the the grid is its own language. So if you switch it into English, the entire world will be covered in English three-word addresses. Equally, if you swip, switch it to Japanese, Swahili, Spanish, whatever language you prefer, it will cover the entire world um, in that language. I, I really think that this, this will solve me so many issues because I was telling our listeners earlier on in the podcast that... Yeah. My sister sent me out to get to, to she was picking up a second hand scooter for her daughter and I went to a housing estate. I used Google Maps. Sorry, Google. I used Google Maps. It said 200 meters away. I parked yeah. up the car. I started walking and then lo and behold, I noticed it's not 200 meters away. It was sending me in circles. I asked for directions, got sent somewhere else and then totally and utterly lost my car. I have, to call, <laughs> I have to call my wife out. Yeah, and I think that's a really good example of problems that people face on a daily basis, but just don't understand that there's a potential solution out there. Um, you know, my, my parents live in the middle of the countryside um, in the UK, and getting things delivered or, help it, or getting people to turn up at their house is an, is an absolute nightmare because their postcode in a rural part of the UK covers a very large area. So actually just typing that postcode into Google Maps isn't that helpful for anyone trying to find them. Um, and I mean, obviously a rural area is a very ob uh, clear example of some of these issues. Um, many places simply don't have addresses. So if you think if you're out on a walk in the middle of the countryside, you need to tell your friends where you've seen the best view or perhaps have an accident and need to tell the emergency services exactly where you are. Mm -hmm. um, often that's really difficult to do because those places simply don't have a regular street address. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's the exact same in the west coast of Ireland where <laughs> my my mum's side of the family is, is from from Roscommon and they just recognise it by fields and lampposts, I think, or, yeah. or moving sheep at that stage. I'm sorry, that's a terrible stereotype, but it's true. <laughs> no, for sure. And I mean, we're talking now about places which do have very good address systems, like the UK um, and most parts in, you know, most places in Europe. We're lucky to have a really good system of addressing. Mm -hmm. um, but the, for the vast majority of people, um, particularly living in developing countries, often there is simply no address infrastructure whatsoever. There's no street names, there's no system of postcodes. Um, so again, 
for people living in areas like that without any kind of regular street address, mm -hmm. um, even having access to things that we take for granted um, can be really challenging. It's, it's such a, a worthwhile cause that you have set up this company. What, you must have had some really proud moments with this app, that, especially with, like you're saying, it's, it's global. It, you could have it in villages in, in far out desert areas, but what, what couple has really stand, stood out for you? Sure. So um, I guess in terms of milestones for the company and things that we're really um, I, I suppose, humbled by. Um, obviously, we were started in 2013. We're now about 110 people globally. Um, but obviously, throughout that, there have been some, some kind of highs and lows. I think one of the, the highlights was um, a few years ago, we were approached by the Mongolian government to help them um, essentially create an address infrastructure. Um, and that was essentially the first time that what three words had been used on a national basis as an addressing system. So one of our, the largest office we have outside of the UK is actually in Ulaanbaatar. Um, and Mongolia is one of the eight or nine countries in the world where you can send a letter to a three word address. Um, so that was very much kind of a high point for us. Um, I'd say more recently as well, the work with emergency services in the UK has been um, incredibly exciting and incredibly humbling, obviously, to see the use cases come through where it's been used to help the emergency services get to incidents more quickly um, and on occasion even save lives has been really, really inspiring. And so what's, what's your role in the company? Do you do any development yourself? So I work in the partnerships team um, and essentially our role is to help businesses and organizations make use of the system. Um, as I mentioned, we work in a very diverse range of industries ranging from um, automotive right the way through to humanitarian, NGO and emergency services sectors. Um, over the past six or seven months, um, my focus really has been on the UK and helping those emergency services who are now using the system get set up. That's super. Now, if people want to go and download this app, it's available for Apple and Android, but you also yeah. have a website. What3words.com is the best place probably to get you. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the one. Patrick, I really appreciate taking the time. I love this app. I, 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 this is going to save me from. My wife says that I could get lost. Now I do a lot of scouting and yeah. hiking in the in the hills. And open spaces are fine, but when you send me into a housing estate and half yeah. of the housing estate is still in under redevelopment, that's yeah. where I got completely and utterly disorientated at that stage. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, that's my excuse, anyways. <laughs> I think it, it's been great talking to you and. Uh, Thanks a million for taking the time. Thanks very much, Justin. Take care. That's all for episode 17 of the All Things Techie podcast from myself, Justin Dawson. Thank you for listening. Simon will be back with us next show. Uh, until then, have a great month. Like, like, like our show, don't forget to subscribe to All Things Techie in your favorite podcast store. All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E media.ie.